Welcome back to the North London's Most Read with Jamie and Kieran. We'll be covering the England game in episode 2 of our podcast, our second group stage game against Scotland, in which we drew 0-0. How are you feeling about that result, Jamie? I just want to start with, we were just about to start recording and I was already feeling a bit uncomfortable and then I saw a massive Suicidal. fucking spider run across my t- like next to my table when we were about to get started. So we're about five minutes later than we should have been. I just want to say... I'm feeling very traumatised and fragile and I don't want anyone to be mean in the comments today. You've got to be nice you, today. I thought you were dead because like I heard <laughs> all the, all I heard was you say spider. I heard no more noise and you went away for like five minutes and I was like there's <laughs> some tarantula just got left bro, out of your room and you're just fat. like fucking it was fat, bro, curling, right? curling in the corner bro. Like the normal English ones you know they're quite like thin legged the spider like the farmer yeah. ones uh, but this one was thick. It was straight, yeah. thick, double C's, two C's, Jeez. thick, bro. Throwing it back. <laughs> <laughs> Throwing it back on your table. Bro. Oh, bro, it was not, it Laptop. wasn't on the table. I saw it walk past the, like, the carpet where the table is where I had to do the podcast. <laughs> bro, it's probably been in the corner of your room when you've had your laptop out, like, late at night, just on that, you know, on that uh, wrist action thing. And, uh... <laughs> I don't want to think about the spider. <laughs> I live on the top floor because I don't want the spiders to come near me. And it did like like I'll be sitting there like stuffy in the room, so hot and horrible, sweaty because I don't want to open a window because like a spider might come in, and it's managed to get up three like two flights of stairs. Spiders are like though no matter what you do, even if you like went into like a the most official like security bunker in the world. That's I know, man. When I was at uni, like I was on the fourth floor. And it was like the the top, like you couldn't even stand up because there was like a slanted roof and like, so yeah. I was like crouching for a year and there was spiders, there was a spider in my bed once. I don't know how it got up four flights of stairs. I never opened the window. Anyways. Well, I don't even mind them that much. I just put a glass bit of paper for them outside. Well, I don't throw them outside. Oh, I, I don't carefully do put them down. I don't kill insects, man. I'm not weirdo. But like. Oh, straight murder in my house. Spiders, <laughs> straight murder in my house. That's just immoral, man. Like. Regardless, let's not talking about spiders though. All right, fair enough though. Um, how are you feeling about the Scotland game? It was, it was. It Honestly, was man, I game. hope this isn't a long yeah. discussion because I don't actually remember anything that happened. Um, <laughs> oh, we hit the post. Stones hit the post. That's what I remember. Oh, I remember yeah, okay. Scotland there was a actually. couple of like key events, but you know what I mean. We can't really discuss them because it was like when the ball spends ninety percent of the time in the middle, or like just nothing happened. Like yeah. you know, some games, you know, like for example, the Scotland game where they lost against uh, the Czech Republic. They lost and they didn't score, but they could have scored five goals from like the half chances that weren't right. So it's not like a, yeah. it's like a, oh we didn't take our chances for that game. It first finished no no, and it could have been maybe one no Scotland could have maybe like if that header had gone in. But there wasn't like apart about. from the corner header set piece, and I don't really count set pieces missed chances because they're not from open play, and that's what you want to yeah. see if you think exactly. that your team's going to win a World Cup or Euros, right? You'll be scoring from mm-hmm. open play, we're making chances. Yeah. And apart from that, there wasn't even like a half chance. I can't remember anything that was threatening in any kind of way, really. Like it was just like nothing. So if we yeah. don't score from a, a like in the World Cup, if we don't score from a corner or a free kick or a penalty. We just don't score, and then it's even hopefully a nil-nil, or we lose because um, that's it, it. Was just like what was that? What like what is that? And and, and I, we said the first the game. Only... We disagreed on the first game, right? Because we were against Croatia, and I was saying like it was a business-like yeah, yeah, yeah. performance. We didn't want to expend too much energy. We didn't want to go too crazy and overdo ourselves. And we kept a one-nil clean sheet. What we did, what we had to do, on to the next one. But this was another on to the next one without actually getting the result or showing that we could turn it on when we needed to, and it was a bit yeah. worrying. I mean, the one the one thing I would say about that stone chance right at the post is that if Slabhead Maguire was on there, the sheer circumference <laughs> of his forehead, he would have fucking scored that. But like, regardless, he shouldn't start because he's not good enough. But you know, 
I, I, I quite like Stones and Mings. They've done nothing wrong. They haven't conceded two goals yet. I don't want them to ruin the disruption of the eff- the defence by putting Maguire back in. Not yet, at least. If if Stones or Mings make a mistake and we don't get knocked out of the tournament or whatever, then you can put Maguire in then. But he doesn't deserve to start at this point. I don't care what people say. They just don't. Um, I, I don't know why Sterling started today. You're probably going to go off on me about that, but this is this is exactly what I was showing. Like, and I'm not I'm not just singing out Sterling because Foden was poor, didn't really do much. Um, it's got some technical ability, which way more than Sterling has, so that's definitely why I can see him in the team. Um, but I don't think right wing works for Foden. I think he needs to be more central, hundred um, percent. But yeah, Sterling was poor today. Kane was awful. Everyone as well. was poor. Kane's today, had a really mate. bad. Everyone ball. was. But this is what I mean. But like, you've got to consider that. Sterling shouldn't be starting. Kane, I mean, he's lucky if he starts the next game after his first two performances. He's been totally anonymous. He's done literally nothing. Anonymous? Um, is that another right word? <laughs> anonymous. <laughs> is that, what did I say? I said anonymous. Uh, anonymous. Anonymous. That's, that's, that's the only way to say it. Like, shut your mouth. <laughs> but at the end of the day, like, Greedish, Greedish 100% should have started. Um, yeah. One thing, props to Southgate, but it's not really props because he should have done it in the first game that he... Um, he started Rhys James, and that's yeah. that. Rhys James is. Oh, well, you had to with the pace of Tierney on the left flank if he overlaps with like from left centre back. Potentially, you could you could also say that Trent is the most creative right back. So why are we not playing more offensive against Scotland? So you could say you know I mean defensively, Trent's probably the worst out of our right backs, but he's the best offensively. And if you're, if it's almost like we were scared of Scotland doing stuff. Wait, to but us, you know so Trent's not in the squad. What do you mean? He is, isn't he? He got injured in the warm-up oh, game. Oh, he got injured, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying shit. <laughs> so I'm we have so the choice shit. of Walker. <laughs> I'm keeping that one in. <laughs> no, no, no. No, to um, be fair, like, I wasn't... I, I just completely forgot about that, I'll be honest. Yeah, yeah. No, so, so there's three, though. There's yeah. still three options. There's still Walker. There's still um, oh, Trippier. And there's then. still Reese James. And I'd say out of those three, Reese James is probably the best Reece defensively. Yeah. Um, probably... The best going forward. He's not. Well. He's not Wan Bissaka level tackle or like defensive, but he offers yeah. more going forwards, and he's got a good cross on him. So I'm fine with yeah. that one going on today. Like even if you know, arguably, and he didn't show it, Walker could offer more going forward just with the pace and the yeah. ability to make yeah, runs and stuff. But I he didn't show I it in the first game. Walker's not very good going forward. I'll be honest. He's he's a, he, the but the main reason you play Walker is that you've got cover of pace defensively. So if a team, team hits you on the counter, Walker's got the recovery pace. That's his biggest asset. Um, going forward, he's not great. Uh, I mean, I think, you know, Rhys James is definitely our best option there. I think that, like, in terms of players today, I think, you know, Phillips and Mount, sorry, Phillips and Rice pretty much did their jobs. Like, they did what they were putting the team to do. Um, Mount was very poor today as well. Our front four primarily was very poor today, no matter who was on the pitch. Like, I- I've been calling for Grealish to start. I think Grealish did skin a few players, so he was quite... Um, didn't change the game, though. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm not trying to play devil's I difficult. wanted him to start right. We're in the same boat. We both love Grealish, yeah. so I, I don't want to like, be the other side, but I just want to also say the other side for this moment. Like, he didn't... You know, we yeah. did. We still didn't win the game when he came on. You've also got to take into account that you, if you've only got, like, half an hour or about 27, 28 minutes or whatever he had, that you... It's difficult to get in the rhythm of a game that's already a difficult, boring stalemate of a game. And, you know, I mean, he didn't get much of it. We didn't have much of the ball, to be honest. In the last 20 or 30 minutes, Scotland kind of dominated possession and were the better team. So, like, there wasn't really much he could do. I mean, he skinned a few players, got a few fouls, um, which is far more than Sterling or Kane did the whole night, or Foden. So, 
it's difficult because I, I think most people had the expectation that England were probably going to win all three of their group stage games. I um, thought after Croatia that we should definitely, well, if we want to, you know, declare ourselves challengers, that we need to win all three. I think it's worth worth noting though, but apart from the individual quality of Phillips in that game, we didn't really threaten Croatia either. So, like, if you're if you're going up against a team that's solid defensively like Scotland were today. We're, like judging by the first game, we weren't going to create anything because we we're a team that rely on individual brilliance. We're not a team that has like the chemistry and the brilliance to consistently unlock defenses and stuff like that. We rely on a Kane hitting a twenty yard, or we rely on Foden pinging in the top. Do you know what I mean? It's it's not like a we're definitely we're nowhere near the best team in this tournament. We might have individual players. We're we're definitely in the top five at least but as far as team the team goes and the chemistry and the kind of the style of play we're not even in the top 10 for me i would say that it it feels there's parallels to how arteta was in december to how we are now and obviously we haven't like lost seven games in a row whatever it was then but um it was a 4-3-3 we play now, but it's like a 4-3-3. And I know you were saying Mount counts as the front and four, but he doesn't really because he sort of plays this weird left side of the midfield role rather than being like a straight 10. And so we're yep. not really playing with a 10. It's like everyone will make runs from midfield. Phillips will go sometimes and Mount will generally be on like that left forwards-ish part and they'll have their own spaces. Yep. But when we started having Emil Smith-Rowe as an actual solid named bang on 10 that played in the 10 and stuck in the 10 position mm-hmm. the whole time, we instantly became more dangerous. Before that, we were just not scoring. We were scoring at less than a goal a game at the Emirates on average over the first half of the season. And then it all clicked because we had people making runs and making space and taking defenders away from the ball and stuff like that. And I would love to see us switch from the 4-3-3 to the 4-2-3-1, but you'll never see it happen. <laughs> Do you know what as well? Like I was thinking this to myself. This might be a bit out there, and I don't know if you agree with it. Um, but like, if you consider like the first two games, for example, I feel like that kind of style of play that we've had in the first two games could actually work better against the bigger teams as opposed to when we're playing against the smaller teams. Yeah. Because I feel like when we've got a lot of pace, like on the counter attack, and we and there's a lot more space for us to run into. I do feel like we're we're one of them teams where if teams sit back against us, we find it very hard to break them down. But I feel like almost in like the Man United kind of style where if they're counter-attacking, they're like amazing. But if they're having to break teams down, they're not, they're nowhere near as effective or efficient. And I feel like the way that we set up, if we played a team like France, if we played a team like Portugal, it might actually work in our favour. I still expect teams like that to beat us, don't get me wrong, like nine times out of ten. No, but don't I feel say like... that. Be a, be a winner, man. So no, we but, got, we're going to murder everyone. But there's, there's not. There's, there's, there's been a winner and then there's been unrealistic <laughs> with what you've Do you got. want to know the funny thing? I was what? actually looking at, like, Euro 2020 final tickets today on Google. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, but I, 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 I know, you know who I, who I, I think is going to win the Euros, but... Who do you think is going to win? France? Uh, Port- Portugal. Oh, 100%. Portugal. Wow. I can't they're, see they're, Portugal. Their playing. front six is just is they've got six like they're, they're and they they've got solid defense. They're they're fucked, man. Like they're the same. They're basically on the same level in terms of squad as France. So France, no, or Portugal, there's no depth on the Portugal squad. Oh, fuck off, man. They had Joao Felix on the bench. They had like yeah, they've got like a few people, but it's not like they haven't got three teams that could all win the Euros like France have. If free, France don't have three teams that can win the Euros, they've yeah, got twenty six players and they've. You can't play eight aside. And none of nine aside. most teams would get into their squad because they've got such depth. Yeah, they are stacked. But I mean, I, I said to you before the tournament, we're definitely not in the top five favourites. And like they, they've ranked us as like second or third favourite for this tournament, which is ridiculous. And we're definitely like, 
I mean, I, I could think of at least five or six teams that are better than us that I think will be. See, us but you think the Netherlands would beat us, and I think we'd give it to the Netherlands still. I, I, I did say it would be very, it'd be a tight game. But I think they've, they've. I don't know. I just feel like they'd, they'd probably beat us. No, I, I think, think I think we, would. I think we stacked the Netherlands. I'll be honest. Italy's straight neck, neck, neck and neck. I'd say, and, no, and it, Belgium and France so have impressive. the edge. Italy have been so much more impressive than us so far. So far, yeah. But. Yeah, but Italy haven't. Admittedly, Italy haven't played against a, a big team yet, but they're unbeaten in like twenty nine games or something. And Mancini's really got something special going on with Italy. I, I feel like like if you it'd be if a you good game. I think it'd be neck and neck. Italy, France, Portugal, Germany, Spain. That's five teams already. Belgium six. Um, Belgium, Holland, France probably beat us. I'll say that. Netherlands potentially. So that's no. I think we give it to the Netherlands. And then. I don't know. Like, we're probably seventh or eighth. Like that's. I think that's where we deserve to be. Maybe sixth if you're being generous. But I, we're not better than that, to be honest. No, we thing is like what we're saying about Italy is they underperform recently, and so now we see them. Now we don't know if this is really like going to be carried through and that. Whereas we have beaten big teams recently. We've beaten Spain. We've beaten uh, Croatia a few times, and you know we've actually like gone and beat. Like I know yeah, it was the Nations they're League not a high or whatever. Game. I know, I know, I know. Yeah, but nor is Italy. They didn't make it into the World Cup last yeah. time. And so I really think it'll be like we and Italy, like neck and neck. You can't really pick it just because we don't have all the information about how yeah. they've performed and how we've performed and whether we can bring it to a big tournament and whether they can. I think Netherlands we beat. I think that we beat, we don't, we lose consistently to France and Belgium and everyone else is out to, no. to, to be to be got. You're absolutely I'm not saying deluded. we haven't advanced it. I'm saying it's straight fifty fifty against you. a lot a lot of people. I don't I think France I don't think being. I don't think I don't think Spain have a big edge against us. I don't think that um Italy have a big edge against us. I don't think Germany have a big edge against us. I don't think Portugal have a big edge against us. Did you watch the game today? Be honest. Which one? The one against Scotland where yeah. we got outplayed by yeah. Scotland. And you're thinking we're gonna come up against teams and debatably beat them. You said the only people that will beat us is France and Belgium. Are yeah, you... I'm not saying that the others wouldn't beat us. I'm saying that we don't have a massive edge against us. We yeah, wouldn't just do. roll over to yeah, the 3-0. No, we wouldn't. We wouldn't. We're chokers in tournaments. It's, it, we're we were. We were. I think this is different now. We, we, what do you mean we were? We haven't won a tournament in like God knows how long. Yeah. 66. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. We, we, we aren't... But the, it's different now. We, we haven't we, changed any no, type of mentality the, towards tournaments. Oh, the, the investment in the, like, the grassroots has changed a lot. We get technical players yeah, now got, that we didn't used to get. Talent. We've got better talent, but remember our golden generation with England? We didn't, we yeah, didn't but that was a terrible then. mentality. And we're, I think we're, we're reliv- reliving this semi-final of a World Cup where we face no top teams, and every time we face a top team, we got beaten. Like, I think people I need completely to agree that. The hardest that. team we played was Colombia. And yeah. like... We should be beating Colombia. No offense to Colombia, of course. I and then completely as as agree. We come against I also think us, that like, w- this is really our tournament to win if we have a top level manager as well. Nah. With a manager, we've got no chance of winning this tournament. Our style of play is nowhere near good enough. There's a like if you're talking about teams that are better than us, we've there's a lot more managers that are better than Southgate in this tournament. Like 100%. majority of them are better than Southgate. The managers in this tournament, they've actually got experience and they've actually got knowledge know-how and good style of playing good kind of respect you know like Southgate's managed what Middlesbrough did terrible there then did the under tw- under 21s and he's landed the England job it just shows how far back we are in terms of like our manager is seriously not good enough for this stage he's at 
Uh, I, I'm not trying. To, I'm not trying to defend Southgate. When I say the England's, I just think we've got a stat squad, and I think they believe in each other. I think they trust each other, and they just massively underperformed today. And I'm not going to yeah. judge them forever based on this bad performance. I'm That's hoping fair. if they're a clever enough squad and they've got a winner's mentality, the growth mindset, yeah, that they'll really dissect this, figure out what went wrong, and come back twice as hard next game. Obviously, it doesn't really matter if we then like roll over like Czech Republic five 0 yeah. because we've done that in in the in <laughs> the qualifiers. That. There's, there's a couple couple more things I want to say before moving on uh, mm-hmm. from the England shit. Like, one, it was nice to see Tierney play today. Uh, obviously, I didn't wish him well in terms of Scotland winning, but I was glad to see him on the pitch. He seemed like he had a decent game. He seemed solid. He seemed quite comfortable. It was, it was different different to see the fact that uh, Robertson is the like the wing back. So he plays left centre back the overlap yeah, so sometimes. He, yeah, so he he doesn't really get the, the full effectiveness. But they've got they're basically their two best players are left back yeah. so they've kind of got to accommodate both of them which I, I understand it's difficult but I mean you've got to you've got to use Tierney a bit more effectively and I think if they did I think out of the two attacking wise I actually think Tierney's better than Robertson as far as attacking wise yeah but Robertson can't play centre back and Tierney yeah, can that's what I mean so and then also like I just want to touch on quickly like I, I've watched the the two games that the Czech Republic have played um, in the tournament um, they'll pretty much level on points of us. I think they might be slightly above us in goal difference by one goal, I think, because they beat Scotland 2-0, where we beat Croatia 1-0. But I think that the Czechs going to be a, a difficult game. I, they're actually, like from what I've seen, they're, they're a decent team. Um, if they if they play, you know, if we play anywhere near like we did tonight, we're going to lose to them. And we really are. They they dominated Scotland pretty much. They've got a good striker. Yeah, I mean, I I just think they're 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 a team though. You know, you know when you watch teams and you think like Wells Wells are the same. Like they haven't got yeah I know outrageous talent. They haven't got outrageous talent, but they get every single ounce of their t- like. If England got every single ounce of their talent, we would be aside from the stack teams like France, Portugal, and Belgium, we would be favourites. Like if we got every ounce of our talent out there, but we we just we're not good team wise. Like, it's, it's it's hard to explain. It's difficult, but I, I feel the Czechs could beat us. I'm hope, hoping I'm wrong and hope we do win. Well, I believe they beat us in qualifying once, and then we beat them once. Yeah, they're a good, they're a decent team. They really are. It also depends, um, you know, if we come, because I think we play. Honestly, whoever... can we just like let Scotland um, win Croatia, and then we tactically lose to? Yeah. Czech Republic come third and then don't face any of the hard That's people. what I was thinking because I was saying don't we play against the winners of Germany, France, Portugal and Hungary's group right? If we come first we, we face second place. If we come second I believe we face the winners but if we come third how do we get out of that one? Do we play third place team in that group? I mean I mean, we got, I mean, I don't know how it works but if we play either Germany, France or Portugal it, we're going to be we're going to have to have an no, outstanding game. No I think game. we have to if we draw Germany, we can do it. Yeah, but I'm, I still, I they still, they're still favourites for me. Just through, we can do it. We can do it. It would be we such a big we win. Do, we can beat any team. No, that's tournament. why I say when you were saying oh, I respect you, but because I said that we could beat those clubs, and now you're yeah, saying but you're, we can you're beat acting them. like it was like five times out of ten we beat them, and that's not true. Yeah, it's, it's like it's, it's, like, it's, it's like, like one or two times out. of No, 10 it's we beat like them. 40... in a tournament outside of a tournament, five times out of ten. It's like no, it's like forty-eight fifty-two. Nah, no chance. No chance. We really can do it. We really nah, can do it on our really day. Not. We've shown that we can do it. We beat Spain away three two in the Nations League. Yes, but you you need to remember that as well with Spain. Like Spain have probably got their worst team for the last fifteen years. Which is why we, I'm saying that we can do the Spain in right now. 
I know, like, I'm not, I'm not saying we can't, but I still think that Spain would be favourites against us. Forty-eight fifty-two. But so they'd still be favourites there. I'm not saying that we beat them every time. I'm not saying we roll them over. I'm saying we can do them in. I think yeah, the the, the few teams where if we have a if we play to our potential that we can beat are probably Germany, Spain, and Netherlands potentially. Yeah. But I don't. I'm not sure about the top other teams. You know. I think the Belgium and France have an edge. Yeah, potentially. I've, I mean, there's Portugal will definitely be us. Like nine times out of ten, with, no. when you compare our two teams, no. nine times out of ten they Not will. Nine like how? Ten. No. How? Explain to me how. I want to hear it. Portugal don't beat Sweden nine times out of ten. Yes, they do. Oh my god. No, just you, statistically, you... those things don't happen. If no, you're no, better no. than a team, you might win sixty-five out of a hundred times. It's not that much. Right, let, let me let me just Man you don't beat Millwall nine out of ten. Let me just reiterate the, the four players that Portugal have. It doesn't so mean got, they win every game, it means they Cristiano might have Ronaldo. a slight advantage. Right, right, right. So they've got Cristiano Ronaldo, they've got Bruno Fernandes, they've got Bernardo Silva. They I mean they they're sta- I, I could go on and on and on about the talent they've got. Like And I'm sure there's a Portugal North London most red that's going, Yeah, but they've got Harry Kane and they've got Phil Foden, they've got Jack yeah, Rillish, they've but, got Mason Mount England and they've got England Raheem Sterling. They're England at tournaments and can't switch it on. That's the difference. But Kane's been anonymous. Yeah. Like he's supposed to be our best player, like as far as like, you know, stats go, but he's done nothing. Like actually nothing. Yeah, but I he's honestly no think that if we played a ten, he'd be in the game. He, but that's the that's the problem, and that's why it shows it highlights how inefficient Southgate is as a manager that he can't get Harry Kane in a position where he can get the ball. He's trying it to makes play. No sense. Kane is like a ten and a half or nine and a half, where he plays both ten and nine, but he can't pass to himself. <laughs> See, we need to realize as well that like Harry Kane is is like when he when he's implemented properly and played like properly, and the chemistry in the team's right is like he's the second best striker good. in the world. But he has no pace whatsoever. So when we play like Sterling and Foden and players that we want to play in behind that are quick, Kane can't catch up to them. By the time it's getting into a good position, yeah. So he also needs to be smarter with his movement. But he's good on the ball, and he's an elite passer of the ball as well. That he doesn't get enough credit for. So he can set. He can like Sterling and Grealish and Rashford, whoever's around him, needs to be around him because he can set people off with runs. True, true. I agree with that, man. Should we um, move on to? So let's talk about medicine. Let's do it, man. So you. You don't have the same faith in this journalist that I do. There's a there's a Palestinian journalist called AFC Bell that never gets it wrong ever. And, You're obsessed um, with him, man. He's he's never been wrong in like weird ways. He's been right. He got the Ozil stuff to Turkey first. He got Partey all the way through the summer when everyone else said it wasn't going to happen. And he also got Ben White as well before anyone else said that Ben White was going to be uh, an official thing. So if he says that we're interested in James Madison, I believe it. It doesn't mean that we're going to get him. It doesn't mean that we have, like, you know, it means that, like, we're legitimately interested. And we know that Madison's a good player. We know he'd cost an arm and a leg. I don't know what our transfer budget is. We usually do, like, come summer, we do the annual we've got no money thing, even if we actually do, to try and, like, get better deals that never actually works. But... Um, we haven't done that this time, so maybe there's just a big old war chest on the go and we can just buy everyone up. It seems that the only reason we'd be interested in Ben White when we do have bigger positions to fill. Um, but that's not to say that I wouldn't absolutely love to have James Madison at the club. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that it's one of the things really, isn't it? It's like 
We've got so many other positions that we need to strengthen, and we do need another 10, like, don't get me wrong. So, oh, so this but... is actually the important bit of information. They oh. see Madison as a deeper midfielder, not a 10. Really? Yeah, like as an 8. A deep-lying playmaker. He's not got the um, the stamina or the physicality to do that, so I think if that's what Arteta's recommended, that proves how fucking dumb he is. So they think that it will be a... 70 mil plus <laughs> deal. Um, Leicester don't need to sell. I don't think he needs to leave. I mean, obviously they didn't get the Champions League, but we're not in any of it either. So uh, I'm not yeah. sure that it's a big, like, it's not really a step up at the moment, is it? Yeah. I, the thing is, like like I was leading to a second ago, like we, we've got central midfielders we need. We need a new right back because it looks like Bellerin's going. We need a backup left back, but probably before that, a backup 10 is probably more, or like another 10 is... Well, I'm sure like he's not going to like forget how to play 10 if he signs to play an 8, right? Yeah. But I just... he For me, he's not an 8. He's He is like a 10. Like He, he is like a Smith-Rowe kind of player. Smith-Rowe is more dynamic and playing a few more positions, but I feel like Madison's only position you really play him in is 10. If you really want to stretch it, you could probably play him left wing. But he's again, I don't think he's got the attributes to be able to do that. Um... It's, it, it's bizarre if it took us 60 70 million like ordinarily like if we had a bigger budget and we spent like chelsea i'd be all for it but if we're gonna spend 60 70 million on this player and not then not back up central midfield then not get a new right back that we desperately need and a few more covers and positions that we need i'd I, i'm not for it but i feel like it, it, it's a typical arsenal signing isn't it buying a player that we don't really in a position we don't really need. Get Ben it's, White and James Madison. <laughs> it, it, it's typical Arsenal. So I, we'll go into the Ben White shit in a minute. I, I, I don't think I for for one second I don't really think that Madison is looking for a club like Arsenal. I feel like if he's going to leave Leicester, he wants to go to a team in the Champions League. He wants to go to a Chelsea, a Man City, a Man United, or a Liverpool. Yeah, but they're sure. all looking for like so. Man City are going after Grealish and Kane. Yeah. Man, you are going to spend the bag on Sancho, and they've got Bruno. Uh-huh. Chelsea have got so many players they don't need anymore um even if Zayech leaves it feels like they wouldn't get Madison yeah uh, Liverpool don't really seem to be like doing that at the moment it just doesn't feel like it's, a Liverpool transfer it's a strange one because like the, the, don't get me wrong having Madison in our team improves us immensely like I'm not trying to say that but what I'm trying to say is that if we don't improve on other areas having Madison's not really going to change anything do you know what I mean that makes sense well, if he becomes a world class eight, he's not Willie or he can he can only play as a ten. He's not a deep line player. Like he's just not. He's not got the attributes for it. He's not a great tackler. Um, he hasn't got a good engine. He's very much a quote unquote luxury player. He he he's his work rate out of the Leicester team is probably one of the weakest. Um, and he's but not he gets the, the stats, man. I mean, he's got decent stats. We need a goal crazy. scorer and a sister. I think if you played Madison and Smith Rowe together for the whole season, like if you played Smith Rowe in this Arsenal team and then in parallel university played Madison in this Arsenal team, I don't think the stats would be very different, I'll be honest. I feel like Madison's more of a goal scorer. He gets into positions he's really not afraid to shoot and really just be a bit more selfish and like, get the stats, force his way in. Yeah, no, I can get that. I do think that you get a lot more work rate from Smith Rowe though and you get a bit more like direct dynamism sort of thing his, his stats aren't his stats aren't bad he's got eight goals and five assists in 31 matches yeah he didn't league. yeah he was injured but, for a bit i mean he still played 31 games he's got 13 goal contrib- contributions which is you know we'd be over the moon about that, to, let's be honest it's about a goal contribution every two and a half games which isn't too bad yeah let's assume he played um, all 90 yeah 
Um, no, I'm just saying roughly, but I. Yeah, because there's going to be games where he came on for only 25 minutes. I'm sure he was benched for a while after he was yeah. injured. So I mean, you know, he's got he's got that. He's definitely a Champions League level player. Like that's what I mean. And we need more of them in our squad. It's just I don't. I'd only want him once we'd got other positions sorted first. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. What do you think he's worth, and what do you think it would take to buy? Um, I think he's the the market's a bit skewed. But if you're asking me, like on a let's pretend the market's a regular market, I'd no, say. What do you think it costs in this market? English he, tax. He's, probably, he's he's worth about forty to fifty million, but it's going to cost at least sixty five, seventy million, and we haven't got money like that. And not in positions that aren't priorities. If it was, honestly, if it was like a, a central midfielder or a new right back, and we needed to spend fifty or sixty million, I'd I'd almost be like, yeah, fuck it, buy the bullet, let's do it. But it's, it's a player that plays in the same position as our most or second most talented youngster in Smith Rowe, and I feel like we don't, we're not in desperate need of him due to his position. Fair enough. Let's move on to Ben White. I'm I'm I feel some kind of way about this one. Me too, me too, me too. Go on, you start. Well, again, like it's it's similar to Madison in the fact that like we're seem to be wanting to spend. I, I haven't officially seen a forty million bid, but there's been lots of rumours that we've put in a forty million so, bid that's been um, rejected. Ornstein said it. Bell said it. I mean, it's probably very reliable it. that we have. We've or we've definitely said to Brighton like, you know, if we give you forty million, what would you say? I don't know if there's been an official bid, but there's definitely been contact between the two clubs. That's. As far as I know, unless everyone's just lying about it, but I think that's very unlikely when it's come from so many sources, right? There's such a better option to buy from Brighton than Ben White. Yeah, Lamptey any day. But the, the thing well, is, I meant like, Basuma, but yeah, Lamptey well, yeah, also or, or, actually. Or now you say it, I wasn't thinking but then, that, but yeah. But there are two positions where they actually we actually need them, and they'd actually really improve us. But the the thing is, like with the Ben White, it's it's very similar to Mathers in the fact that we don't really need, like, I mean, even less with Ben White. I think we don't really need a centre back. I think we've got at least for this season, we've got like four or five good centre backs. I'm happy with. I feel like we should improve on other positions, and I think we'd get higher on the table if we do. But spending forty minutes, say we buy him for forty, forty five. Well, it's probably going to be over forty because they rejected the forty apparently. So <laughs> if it's forty five or fifty million for this player, like, don't get me wrong, like. Ben White seems, from what I've seen of him, I haven't seen a lot, I'll be honest, but I've seen that he's rated quite highly and he seems to be a decent defender, but he doesn't seem to be anything like world-class or near that at this point. So, so it seems weird to spend that amount of money on him. They say that he's a good passer and he's good at building it out from the back and, you know, that's all the rage nowadays and, yeah, but, you know, whatever. But this is my biggest thing that I want to bring up and I want to discuss yeah, seriously. Of course, of course. So we've got two left centre-backs that I'm very comfortable with depth. We've got Mary, who's a good depth. Like, he's the ideal depth person because he's, he's not... He's a good backup centre-back. He's yeah, not, 100%. like, super amazing and if you start every game, you'd probably lose a couple of extra points. But he's, like, a good quality left centre-back that isn't going to leave because he needs the starting he, time. Yeah. He's, like, the ideal level of, like, skill, right? So I'm very he's happy with He's got no that. ego either. And no I'm ego. happy with Gabriel um, for, you know, he's young, he's learning, and he's He's already very physical and he's imposed himself. So I'm happy with that side. On the right centre-back side, we had Holding and Louise. Um, Louise is obviously gone. We had Saliba on loan. Saliba played well on loan. Saliba is, you know, he's we've spent £30 million on him. He's meant to be the next world-class centre-back. He wants to play for Arsenal. Yeah. He's been not allowed to play for Arsenal, not even in the dead rubber league cup games so far. So now if we buy Ben White... 
So now there's three centre-backs playing uh, the right centre-back role, yeah. assuming we keep Holding because he has renewed his contract in January. Yeah, we should. Holding is beginning to assert himself in a leadership role. He's now... He's Squad done... rotation player. He's, he's become a next-level Arsenal man, newly fitted yeah. hair transplant, ready to go. And is so... It? Have you not seen Instagram? No, I haven't. Oh, mate, he's got I'll it done. He's, now, he's bit the bullet and he's got the hairline. You can see it. Anyway, so... Not only is is it more competition, but it sends a very clear message to Salibur of we don't rate you in the future. Ben White is 23 or 24, Salibur is 20, I believe. So he's not that much older. So it's not like he's going to like be like 33 and leave the club soon. And centre-backs have fairly good longevity. They'll be around at 33, 34 sometimes. So you've got a decade in this player, at which point Salibur would also be 30. Salibur's not going to wait around that long. So we spent £30 million on this player, loaned him out, never played him, yeah, and now we spent the big bucks when we need to replace other spots. Yeah, on someone just to unseat this player. It doesn't yeah. make sense to me at all. Do you know what it is as well? Like, there's there's a couple of things I want to go in with Saliba, um, and two things. Like, one, this is this isn't this is probably me being a little bit like probably petty with it, but like I feel like Arteta's not sending a good message to his player. Like, if if he's if he rates Saliba and he's like wants him to come back and be in the team. You don't then go out and buy a forty million centre back. Exactly. That's that's no that's no incentive. That's almost disrespect. We're really gonna drop a total so, of like eighty million for one spot in the team. Yeah. So that's, that's like I mean. that's a billion pound team if you do that in every position. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to allude to in the fact that like there must be for, for me with the Saliba situation, there's something personal or it's either really personal with them, and Arteta doesn't like him, or he has massive problems but with his attitude. Who's getting personal in management at the elite level? But who's got an I mean. ego like that? But who's this holding I mean, grudges like, in the playground? I know, I know, I get that. I, I also, I, I do, I know it's, I know it sounds a bit counterintuitive for what I've just said, but like, I feel like it's also like your manager's got to have respect from the team, and if a player has been mugging him off, I'm not saying that Saliba has and has had got bad attitude i also don't feel like you should just bypass that and let players disrespect you so if he has done something serious then i get our set of stance but i've seen nothing that's been documented or nothing that's been shown where it proves that saliba has a bad attitude and there is a massive problem with him like at least to the public so therefore that's why the, the thing is with this the biggest thing with this and arsenal fans is that we're confused we don't know why this is and if there is disciplinary issues or if there is a complete lack of disrespect from Saliba to Arteta then let us know it's not one of the things that like you should just keep in-house because it it keeps more Arsenal fans like what the fuck's going on Arteta like what are you doing but if you just explain like me and this player don't see eye to eye I don't see him in my future and we're looking to sell him and get Ben White in I mean if not he doesn't have to say specifically and make it that direct but if he at least alludes to the fact that Saliba is not in his plans right that I know that probably drives his transfer value down by five million but it, it there's just so much confusion going on and i'm i just don't know the stance that arteta is trying to make he's trying he's trying to belittle Saliba by making this bid like in my opinion this it's is the like wrong signals it is and it's no incentive like Saliba's had a good season in france and he deserves to i'm not saying he deserves to start all our games this season but even if he even doesn't start. holding is fine to start but if he plays 20 games if he plays a bit part role you know like a marie kind of level um of games you know like where he's playing 15 20 fills in when gabriel and holding or whoever the first choice center backs are this season one of them's bound to get injured or at least suspended or something you know and there's a lot of rotation i know we're not in a 
European competition, there's probably even less rotation, but Saliba can still get 10, 15 games comfortably yeah. even as a third choice centre back or a fourth choice. So it, it it's it's a baffling, isn't it? That there must be, I would say, like with a, a prestigious club and a big club like Arsenal, um, there should be a plan, but there doesn't ever seem to be one. And you would think, like, if a team like Chelsea was doing this, you'd think, oh, they're they're selling Ben White. Uh, sorry, they're they're selling Saliba for. Thirty million already, and they're just buying Ben White to replace him. But with Arsenal, you don't know what the fuck's going on. It's very likely that we could buy Ben White for forty-five million, and Saliba comes back and then gets benched the whole time, and then we sell him in January, and there's a massive fuck up on our behalf, like there was last season. Like there's nothing that's set in stone to say that Arsenal have a plan and they know what's going on. Like it really wouldn't surprise me if we spent fucking forty-five million on Ben White, missed out on loads of targets, and ended up with a similar fucking team that we did last season. So you know? the reason that I am not that angry if I was a Man U fan that Man U spent all of that money on Maguire's because they needed Maguire and he was like they needed a solid centre back he was yeah. worth 80 million to them at the time in this case we've got Rob Holding and I'm not championing Rob Holding as the future yeah. of Arsenal and England's defence but he's no, no. a couple years older than Ben White and I would say that Ben White if an improvement is not much of an improvement it's like no. uh, a 5 to 10 million pounds worth improvement if we're going to call Rob Holding a level of player versus Ben White a level of player right so we're not just spending 50 million pounds like to, we're not adding 50 million pounds worth of talent to the no. team you're adding like an extra 5 or 10 million on with what we've exactly. got and destroying potentially 30 million pounds worth of Saliba uh, who could be even better uh, by doing that it just doesn't make sense for the marginal gains of having holding who's happy to like play and like probably happy like not mad if Saliba comes through does incredible and benches him whereas if that happens or and it doesn't happen if we've got Ben White because he just doesn't get a yeah. chance to prove himself it, it, it none of it makes sense unless there's something that we don't know about or if it's like you said if it's just personal and if you're really a top level manager you can't be personal unless Saliba has offended you and you want to in, like impose yourself on the team and make them understand that you're in charge I get that but I don't think that's happened I think he just wants to play for Arsenal he's not been given a chance yeah there, there's something going on that we don't know that in, in my opinion there's there, it, there's simply the, there's either disciplinary issues there that we haven't been told about or Arteta just simply doesn't like him and doesn't maybe like him, it's the but... dodgy video <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean that that's that's something where like maybe Arteta's inexperience shows because like some players need a bit of like looking after. And I'm not like, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of prima donnas and stuff in this age of players. There's a lot of players that get life way too easy, like in terms of football and how they're looked after. But some players need that, and I think it's recognizing when players need that. If you like, for example, there's there's a reason why Ozil's best football came under Wenger because Wenger fucking. Basically, like he was ben Wenger's second son, you know what I mean? Like he looked after him, and he, yeah. and and I'm not saying that that's you know that's what should happen, but there's players like Cantona, and Cantona was an absolute hothead. He was fucking mental, but when Sir Alex Ferguson took him to Man United, like that's what changed. There was so much talent there that he looked after him, and I'm not saying Saliba's not. I don't for one minute think Saliba's like got a disciplinary issues like that or a hothead, but I feel like Saliba needs to be looked after. And I feel like Arteta's not the manager that's going to do that. I don't get a kind this of... This needs to be given a chance and show, like, shown some belonging. That's what, But that's what I mean. You need to care about your players. And I feel like Arteta... I don't get a deep connection with Arteta and his players. Like, they, they, a lot of the players say really good things about Arteta. But he seems to be very kind of rigid and structured and not very... I don't know. I think there's not enough emotion. I don't think he's got a, like a... 
I, I don't know because I'm not the players and but I from the outside looking in when you look at a lot of the players like Gwendozi Salabar I don't know if there's much I think he has his favorites and I think he really just likes having his favorites you know and I don't think he's open that yeah, open I think to he's having stubborn. more players yeah that, that, that's what I mean and I feel like I don't know there's there's bad vibes from that in terms of that Arsenal fair enough so actually interesting contrast to that is um imminently announcing Tierney signing a new five-year deal at the club um he says allegedly secondhand references that he's delighted to sign it and that um, he's super happy with the project and basically singing Arteta's praise as being a large part of that. So we say he's got his favourites and that he could be stubborn, but one key player that seems to really respect Arteta is Kieran Tierney, who's about to sign yep. this new deal, which is a really good thing. He was on 75 grand um, when he signed. He will now be up to around 110 grand a week, which I don't think is that... It. Yeah, for a five-year contract, he's 24. He'll be 29 if he leaves on a free, yep. which I'm... Like, I don't want him to, but it just means we've got him locked down for his best years, At even if the few, worst few happens. Years, yeah. um, and super happy with that. Yeah, no, I agree. Tinny's, uh, like we said with our top five players like recently when we dropped the vid, like he's he's been a breath of fresh air. He's got a winning mentality. He's currently above the level of Arsenal in terms of uh, how good he is as a player. Yeah, He's Champions League level quality for sure, but debatably if he improves like he has been recently, he's Premier League winning quality, potentially. Um, and, you know, that might mean that he ends up moving in a few years from Arsenal to a team that can win the Premier League. Hopefully that becomes us in the next few years, but it's getting more and more unlikely as time goes on, especially with our owners and manager. So we'll see what happens. But, you know, the positive is that if we're going to time down to a new deal, that's very good news. Yeah. That's all I wanted to say about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was going to say. Um, and last thing is Emil Smith-Rowe and Aston Villa. Yeah, talking about new contracts. I fucking hope Smith-Rowe signs his contract. Yeah, he's going to sign it. He's going to sign it. <laughs> no, nah, he will. But the, Right, so there's a, I, it, it seemed very official from what I saw. I saw it in a lot of news outlets. And these sort of things, when they come through, they... I feel like this this was this actually happened. This isn't one of the things where they're like, Oh, this happened and, and and no one believes it. I do actually genuinely believe that Aston Villa bid for Smith Rowe. They did, they did. There's a lot of reputable but Do you wanna know the truth? Do you wanna know the truth? Go on. In negotiations and so we okay, this is this is the facts. Emil Smith Rowe rejected Barcelona as a, a Hale End Youth Academy graduate to stay at Arsenal. He said in uh, interviews before, I could see myself being a one club man if it all pans out. He loves Arsenal for and He's an Arsenal man. He loves the club. He breathes and, like, you know, wears the badge and lives for it. That's lovely, and the fans love him for that. But if you're talking money, you have no leverage at the negotiating table if they know that you want to stay, which is kind of cruel, really, because if you love the club and you show loyalty, you should really be paid well, you know, out of love for your loyalty. But it doesn't work that way. So he doesn't have, like, a lot of leverage because they'll go, well, we know you want to stay, so you can't really credibly communicate to us that you want to leave um, because we know that you don't. So yeah. well, this is what I think, and this is what actually happened, I think. It's his agent got Aston Villa to bid for him to uh, like create some scarcity yeah. and some stuff there so he can go all right come on 55k sort me out so and then he gets it <laughs> there's another um you know thing for me and this is this is probably not true but it, it's funny to me and it's the fact that Aston Villa mugged itself by taking our best goalkeeper that was our club in Emmy Martinez yeah so they've done that they've then massively mugged itself with Buendia shown that they 
can attract a better player than us at the moment. Um, I feel like money definitely came into it because they probably offered him more in wages and they actually put a bid in that Norwich accepted, which Arsenal weren't willing to do for whatever reason. Only they know. So I feel like maybe it was just another kind of... There's 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 two ways to look at this. Maybe Aston Villa were thinking, well, if we put a 25 cheeky bid in, there's potential that with Kroenke's being money grabbers like they are, that they, they might consider it. I, I think it was very unrealistic. But it also might be a sign that Aston Villa know that they're getting rid of Jack Grealish. And I'm not saying that he's coming to Arsenal because I don't believe for one second he is. He's going to a, <laughs> a top team in the Champions League. He's going sure. to Man City. But you don't sign Buendia, have Jack Grealish and want Smith Rowe. So I feel like it does seem to suggest that Grealish is probably going on the move to Man City or Man United or Chelsea. I don't know who's going in for him, but it does seem to suggest that they think Grealish is going to go this summer. Otherwise, what's the point having Jack Grealish, Buendia and Smith Rowe in the same team? Unless it was just a kind of, we've mugged Arsenal off, let's see if we can do it again. And trying to like, maybe the perception out there is that if we take a player from Arsenal and then we bid for one of their best players or their best talents, that's almost kind of, it's like, you know when you, when someone's trying to brag about their dick size sort of thing. It's yeah. almost like one of them kind of. It's a it's an offensive one. It's meant yeah. to like troll. But yeah. also, when we did that with Suarez, everyone called us penny pinchers and losers and whatever. No. And now Aston Villa don't know. Look at this ambitious team trying no, to better no, themselves. Like, shut up, man. Like, the, the reason why there's no, the only reason we got fucking so much shit thrown at us as Arsenal fans for that is because he bidded 40 million plus one pound. Yeah. That's the reason. It's nothing to do with the But that was, that no, but they, they were both purposely disrespectful bids. Yeah, no, for sure. But I mean, the, it wasn't that we, we were going for Suarez. It was the fact that someone had a, 40 million release clause and they thought if they paid slightly over it then it was I mean in in business terms it makes sense because you don't want to say if they bidded 40.1 million you're paying an extra 100 grand that you don't need to pay but at the same time it's just it's pure disrespect it's straight disrespect it's and, and interestingly, like, Liverpool decided that the, the release clauses didn't exist, even though it did, and just decided to not honour it because of that. And then, like, it turns out that we just couldn't get round. Like, like it was just one of them ones. I'm not sure if it was like codified, if it was a more gentleman's thing or what. Yeah. But they just decided to ignore it because of that disrespect, and it just shows how dumb we are and how like you can just handle and communicate things so much better to do a deal. Um, and yeah, I well, don't think Aston Villa think they're going to do a deal, so I think they can be disrespectful knowing that they don't need to buy the Luis Suarez from us. Yeah, I also think we need to get better at this club with negotiating uh, contracts, deals, everything. I think we've done a very piss poor job recently of how much we're spending and how much we're trying to sell players for. Yeah. And, like even this whole Jack, Granite Jacker thing going to Roma, like that. Se- that I can I can seriously see that that going off the boil and him not come, him not leaving because Arsenal aren't gonna like Jack has got two year two years left in his contract, right? Um, if you say if he had four years, four years left in his contract, you'd probably say he's worth about 25, 30 million, right? I think Roma bidding 15 or 16 million for Xhaka when he's 28, got two years left in his contract, is not that bad a deal. But we seem to like let players almost go for free, like in players no, like so and he'll go for 20 million euros apparently, which is like, what, 16 million? And that's still not much, you know? And but I would want at least 20. Yeah, but when you consider the fact that we've been letting players like Kalashnach go for free. Yeah, but he um, should go for free. He's on mental Mustafi, wages going for free like i mean i i know but I, what i'm trying to say is like where was this like a year or two ago when we could have got like four or five million just something you know a little fee where i don't know man our transfer policy is shit let's be honest edu's like edu like 
was promising. Like he promised a lot when he came in, but he's he's not really delivered to be honest. Let's see after the transfer window ends, man. That's a good way to end it. That's been North London's most read, either episode thirty nine or thirty eight or two, if it's the England ones. I don't know what we're calling it. <laughs> I don't think it. we're on thirty eight yet. It's thirty eight. On my notes says thirty eight England versus yeah, Scotland. Always but we haven't two. called them 30. Yeah. We didn't call the other ones 37 and 36, though, so it's kind of like... And we just called it episode two, man. Episode two, yeah. England, very disappointing. Let's hope that we can, yeah. you know, get out of first gear of the other games. And maybe it was just because it was against Scotland. I don't know, but we'll see what happens. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, we'll see you yeah, again nice. soon. We'll be covering the Czech Republic game whenever it is. I don't actually know when it's going to be, but we'll cover it. So, yeah. Yeah, hit us up. No worries. Cheers.